Welcome to Ladies Who Love Christ, where we love to encourage you to build intimacy with Christ. We'll bring you insights and teachings to help you grow in your walk with Jesus, ultimately becoming the strong, godly woman you were created to be. Here's Ashley Pope Todorova. Hello and welcome to Ladies Who Love Christ Ministries. Tonight we are in session one of our Philippians Bible study and we are going to be walking through session one. So make sure you share the podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and share that with a friend. All of our studies are available there. So we're going to go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter one in our Bibles. Now tonight we're not working from any books. We're not working from any Bible study books. We're simply working from the word of God. And ladies, that's important to me. I really want you gals to learn how to cultivate the habit of going to God's word. Um, As we do a brief overview here, Philippians is one of the prison epistles that was written when Paul was in prison in Rome. Okay, that's Acts chapter 28, verse 16. Jot that down. You can go back and read about what led up to those events. It was written to Christians in the Roman colony of Philippi. The Church of Philippi ladies had special significance for Paul. It had special significance for him as it was the first church that he founded in Europe. So the Philippians were near and dear to his heart. And tonight's message, um, the overarching theme of Philippians is encouragement. That is what you're going to see woven throughout chapters one through four is this message of encouragement. And then specifically in chapter four, we're going to look at joy and and how many times Paul references joy and rejoicing regardless of our circumstances. Now, that's not something that people today like to hear. They don't want to hear about struggle. They don't want to hear about difficult circumstances and that fruit can come from those difficult circumstances. As Paul is is talking to the Philippians in this letter, he's encouraging them to press on and he's encouraging them to, to remain steadfast, to remain strong, to continue to press on and share the gospel, which clearly means good news, to share the good news with those around them, regardless of their circumstances. Now, you can write this out if you would like, or you can go back and listen and take notes later. But Paul is encouraging the Philippians to live out their lives as citizens of a heavenly colony. Ladies, he's not telling them to live in the moment now, to live for right now to live for what's in front of you right now. He was encouraging them to live. He was encouraging them to act. He was encouraging them to respond with a heavenly perspective. Gals, here at Ladies Who Love Christ Ministries, we believe in studying the word of God in time, culture, and context. That's why you're gonna notice me going verse by verse. But then I always say, I'm gonna park it and I'm gonna bring it right here, right now to modern day. Okay, everything that Paul was encouraging the Philippians with, we can be encouraged with those truths ourselves. He he was encouraging them to live with a heavenly perspective, marked by, meaning there's an evidence of this fruit, marked by a growing commitment of service to God and service to each other. It wasn't living an inward focused life. It wasn't, he wasn't talking to them about living a self-focused life. 
He was talking to them about living with a heavenly perspective marked by a commitment, an unwavering commitment to God in the midst of their circumstances and a commitment to each other as, as believers in the body of Christ. Another uh, point to the intro and sort of what we're going to dig into the next four weeks is that this example that Paul encourages was uniquely shown and modeled by the life of Jesus Christ. What Paul was talking to the Philippians about was literally modeled by the life of Jesus Christ. Ladies, it's so important that you understand this, this concept as we go into it. I like to, I'm a, I'm a foundations girl. I like to lay a foundation before we start building the house. Right now we're laying a foundation, okay? Everything, and I want you to write this down. I am hoping that you have something to take notes because we are not about, we love you and wanna see you grow in God's word, but we're not about spoon feeding, okay? I want you to write this down. Everything from Old Testament to New Testament, every, everything, every passage, every scripture, every book, everything, Old Testament to New Testament points to Jesus Christ. Everything Old Testament to New points to Jesus Christ, including how he lived, uh, how he lived his life, how he modeled encouragement and joy and rejoicing despite. So what I'd like you to do is we're going to go ahead now with that foundation being laid and we are going to turn to Philippians chapter one and we're going to hone in on verses three through 11. We're going to unpack that a little bit more tonight, verses three through 11. So this can really be split up into chunks. Okay. And, and if you're new to Bible studies and maybe none of this makes sense to you, maybe you've never really done a Bible study here, I encourage you to stick it out because you will learn, you will grow, and it does take time. You're not going to understand everything tonight. It takes digesting and listening and putting the time and effort into God's, the study of God's word. So it can really be split up into verses three through six. Write this down, Philippians 1, chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Paul essentially, in these first three verses, expresses his gratitude for the Philippians, not just for the financial support that they were giving him on his missionary journey, but he was expressing his gratitude for their concern for him, their love for him, their support of him. Ladies, this is a picture of the body of Christ. In, in a world that says, focus on you, 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 and your family, and be self-centered. The, the life that chases after Jesus, the life that wants to share the good news and the gospel, is a life that is focused on other people. It's a life that is focused on other people. So he was expressing his gratitude for them. And then in verses 7 and 8 of Philippians 1, he was showing his affection for them. I'll read that. It says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, of the good news. And then verses nine through 11, this is the third chunk of Philippians one, verses nine through 11 
shows that their love would abound and their holiness would increase. His prayer was that their love would abound and their holiness would increase. Now, if you're new here, and maybe it's, again, it's your first study, I don't know. I know some of you have been walking with the Lord a long time, and I know some of you are new in your walk with the Lord. But one thing I want you gals to understand is that the more that you spend time in the presence of Jesus, the more that you study his word, the more that you seek after the things of God, the more that you desire, the more that you desire to live a holy and pleasing life to him. You see, he is a holy and righteous God, but us as believers, us as believers in Jesus must want to pursue holiness in our lives. It is a, it's an evidence, right? It's that fruit. I always say, if you've ever been around any of our studies, this is our 52nd study tonight, that it is, you want this juicy fruit. You don't want spoiled rotten fruit. You want juicy wholesome fruit. You want good fruit. So those are really the three chunks of Philippians 1. The prayer in Philippians 1 helps to establish the major themes of this letter. As Paul goes and writes this letter to them, he prays with joy. Write this down. Write this down. Paul prays with joy, not joy that is circumstantial joy. Okay, it's not a fleeting emotion of happiness that when somebody pleases us, we're happy. When they don't please us, we're not. This is a joy that is not based on circumstance. He was praying with a joy that was based on who he was pursuing and who he belonged to, not what was happening in his world. And you're going to see in Philippians that joy is a major, major theme. I want you to write down, or Heather will note take it for you gals too. I'm grateful for Heather because she keeps up with me. Philippians 1, 4. Philippians 1, verse 4. Philippians 1, 18. And Philippians 1, 25. All three of these verses talk about joy or rejoicing. And then it's woven throughout all of chapter 4. Paul is sure of God's commitment to the Philippians. Paul is speaking to the Philippians and he's saying, be encouraged, be joyful. Thank you for your support. Thank you for partnering with me. My prayer for you is that your love abounds, is that your holiness, you pursue holiness because we're pursuing a holy and righteous God, which oftentimes when people talk about Jesus, they, they talk about all of the feel good things. They talk about his love. Is he a loving God? Of course he is. Is he a merciful God? Which essentially is, it, it really means in the Greek, pity and compassion, Elios. Is he merciful? Of course he is. Is he a gracious God? Charis, it, it means favor. Is he a God that, that has just, just lavished grace upon us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Of course. Of course he is. But Paul Paul was talking about the holiness and the righteousness and the justice of God. And he was also talking about the fact that it was God's commitment to the Philippians. Paul was sure about God's commitment, God's commitment in their lives, God's commitment to finish what he started. 
some of you girls parking it because I am time culture context. So we're bringing it right here, 2023. Some of you girls have really struggled. Some of you have maybe started your walk with the Lord and fallen away. Maybe some of you have just, I don't know, maybe you've started to engage in sins. Maybe you've just fallen away and you feel like there's no hope. Listen, you have to understand, Paul was telling them, it is not a work of the flesh. We can never finish. We are flesh-natured people. We fall, we fail apart from the grace and the mercy of God. God is a, a God of commitment. He is a God that will finish what he started. Paul was not sure of himself when he spoke to the Philippians from jail in Rome, potentially facing death. He wasn't sure of himself, but he was sure of God because he knew God. In verse six, verse six of Philippians one, I'm gonna back it up a verse. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul was saying, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, he was talking to the Philippians, he who began, God who began a good work in you. He is a God of commitment. He is a God that doesn't fail. He is a God that is righteous. He is a God that will bring things to pass. And Paul knew it wasn't him, it was God. The foundation for spiritual growth, I want you to write this down. Please write, 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 take notes. If you're not a note taker, it's okay. Take notes because you will grow and you will learn. The foundation for spiritual growth is recognizing that it is God who begins a good work in you. Write this. For me to grow, I have to realize it is God. It is God who begins a good work in me and will bring it to completion. Why do people get? So pausing on the verse by verse, pausing on the verse by verse, why do people get so burnt out? Why do people get so exhausted? Why do people want to give up? Why do people want to walk away from, from maybe their stressful jobs or their homes or their marriages or, 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 or children or the things that are hard, the hard things of life? Why? Because so often we do these things on our own steam. We try to do these things on our own fortitude. We try to do these things on our own account. Rather than understanding it is God who starts the work in us, it is God who completes that work. Is there due diligence there? Absolutely there is. It doesn't just fall in your lap. You don't build a relationship. You don't build a marriage by not talking to each other and getting to know each other. The same is with our relationship with the Lord. The same is with our relationship. So true spiritual progress is rooted in what God has done. Listen to this. It's rooted in what God has done, has done, what God is doing in the moment, and what God will do. It is literally rooted in your surety of, his, of what he will do and what he has done in your past, in your present, and in your future. It's not a work of our own will. It's not a work of our own will, but it's only a work of God. And this is the message that, that Paul was saying. And you have to understand, gals, don't miss, don't miss this imagery and this picture at the place from which he was writing and penning these words. 
he wasn't in a good situation. He was in a challenging time, but he knew that God was with him. And he knew that any work God started, God would finish. And he knew that, that his placement, where he was, was not happenstance, but it was strategic. It was a will of God. It was exactly where God had him. If the perseverance, ladies, of the Christian depended on on, on us, if, if your perseverance, listen to me, if your relationship with Jesus only depended on you, okay, if it only depended on you, there would be no sure evidence that we would ever reach heaven. There would be no, um, no true, um, uh, just surety that we would ever reach heaven because we are flesh natured people. We fail and we fail a lot. We sin and we sin a lot. Paul also said, I do the things that I don't want to do and the things I don't want to do, I do. It is that flesh nature. It's that fight. That's why it's so important now more than ever that we stay saturated in and steeped in God's word. So if it depended on us, we would, we would never have a guarantee that we would see heaven. When Paul talks about in verse six, bringing it to completion, it means it would be carried through to the very end. I don't know, pausing, pausing. I don't know what it is in your life that maybe was started and you don't feel as finished or what it is that you're struggling with or what's going on in your home or what's going on in your marriage or what's going on in your family. But one thing I do know, one thing I do know, listen close, tune in if you're distracted, now's the time to stop. One thing I do know is that we serve a holy and a righteous and a good God. And he is a God that does not fail to accomplish his purposes. And when we get outside of ourselves and we stop pursuing what we think we want, what we think is best, and we start pursuing him, we start spending time with him, we start building intimacy with him and we get so, 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 so serious about that, about that. Just as Paul was urging the Philippians and we get so serious about that. You're never in a more perfect place than when you're right in step with God's will and when you pray for God's will, not for what you want. Had I been given a tenth of the things that I thought I wanted in my life, had I been given a taste of the things that I thought were best for me, I would be an absolute wreck right now. And the things that maybe I didn't choose in the moment were the very things, the very things that God did. Ladies, I just want to, again, time, culture, context, 2023. I go back and forth because I want, I want you to understand this message. And when we can look at people, when we can look at stories that God has given us, true stories that he has given us in his word of faithful servants who have lived it, who have done it, who have been through it, who can speak to the goodness of God. Ladies, this is what we ought to, to pursue. This is what we ought to pursue. Bring to completion, carry through until the very end. God will not leave the work he starts in us unfinished. Write it down. Write it down. I want my girls to write it down. I don't know if you're asleep on the other side of that screen. So every now and then I'm going to clap. God will not leave the work he starts in us unfinished. I'm repetitive because repetition, repetition is key when you're studying God's word. Then in verse six, it talks about the day of Jesus Christ 
completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What does the day of Jesus Christ mean? Or what does that mean? It is the day when Christ will appear to glorify himself. It'll be the day of his triumph and his glory. It refers to the day when the Lord Jesus will appear to receive people to himself, the judgment day. The judgment day. Now, I want you to write some points um, just on these few passages as we conclude 3 through 11. I want you to write some points down. Number one, write this down. It is God alone. It is God alone. Man is too weak and too ready to be led astray. We are too weak and too ready to be led astray. It is God alone who does the work. Only God can bring any work in our lives to completion. Only God can do that. Okay? It is God alone. Number two, the reliance. The reliance. Our reliance should only be upon God. Our reliance should not be upon our bank account. Our reliance should not be upon what accolades we have. Our reliance should not be upon, and, and I'll lose people when I say this, because this is, this is anti-2023 stuff. This is like the anti-2023 stuff we're talking about right now. Our reliance should not be on what we look like, what we wear, what kind of, how perfect our family looks, how many lavish trips we take. That's not where our reliance should be. Our reliance should be on God and God alone. And there's evidences to that. There are evidences to a life that searches. It doesn't mean that those things are bad things. But when you take those things and you, you use that as that's your purpose, that's who you are, that's your meaning, that's a bad thing. It should only be upon God. And these evidences are that a renewed man these, or I should say, these evidences of a renewed man being kept by God, write it down. Evidences of a renewed man, renewed in spirit, man being kept by God. There's evidences. Number one, God began the work of grace in the soul. God gave us a way through Jesus Christ where there was no other way. He said, come you all of you weary, come all of you burdened, come, come to the well, come. He gave us the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He literally made a way and bridged the gap where there was no other way for us. He, it's, it's finished through the life of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus. Number two, God had a design in it. It was deliberate and thought out. Your being renewed in him, listen to this. This is powerful stuff. You're being renewed in him. God had a design in that. That wasn't you doing it. It wasn't even you showing up here tonight. It was God designing it. It was deliberate and it was thought out. There was no reason that God, third point, there's no reason that God should begin such a work in us and then abandon it. There's absolutely no reason that God should begin such a work in, in our hearts, ladies, and in our lives. This renewing, sanctifying, 
sanctification, the process of sanctification, the process of pursuing holiness, right? There's no reason that he should start that work and then abandon it. None whatsoever. The fourth evidence of this, our reliance being upon God and, and the renewed man, the fourth point is that God abandons nothing that he undertakes. God abandons nothing that he undertakes. I think so many of us struggle in our walks with the Lord, in our individual walks with the Lord. I think so many of us struggle because we don't have a right picture of who our God is. We don't understand his attributes. We don't understand who he is. We look at him as if he's a God that can make mistakes. He spoke the heavens into order. Go back to Genesis 1. Go back to John chapter 1. He spoke the heavens into order. Nothing is outside of his will. Not, I mean, nothing is outside of his control. Not one little thing. He doesn't abandon anything. See, oftentimes we, we, we compare our relationships with our parents or maybe our father or our mother and, and maybe abandonment or pain or hurt or, or loss that we've lived through or really hard things. I've lived through hard things in my life. And then we take those things and we parallel them and say, well, if a person did this to me that should have loved me, well, then God is like that. God is nothing like that. God is nothing like that. He's holy and he's righteous and he is to be praised and he does not abandon anything that he undertakes. There's no half made or incomplete in God's hands. I'm, I'm unpacking these verses. We are, we're squeezing the juice out of these verses, ladies. There are no half works in God's world. There are no incomplete works, none. He's promised to keep the renewed soul to eternal life. The renewed soul to eternal life. The soul, the person that comes to him and says, I don't believe in many ways to heaven. I believe in the way, one way, the way, the truth, the life, because God's word is so clear that there's not multiple ways to heaven. You can't good works yourself to heaven. You can't accolade yourself to heaven. You can't give, 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 give yourself to heaven. All you can do is accept that gift of grace, of favor, unmerited grace, unmerited favor. And he has promised to keep the renewed soul to eternal life. It is not your works. It is his. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter six. Verses 17 through 20. We're going to read this together. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 20. And it says, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise of the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible, impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us, to hold fast. That's what, that's literally what Paul was telling the Philippians as he was saying, push forward the gospel, hold fast, don't give up, don't give, don't get weak, don't, 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 don't uh, shift your focus to the wrong places. Keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on the author and perfecter, right? He says, author and perfecter of our faith. Keep your eyes on him because he's the one who does the good work and he doesn't do anything halfway. He completes it. He goes all the way, all the way. 
to eternal life. Ladies, this should change the way you live your life. When you learn these truths, when you study God's word, when you, when you look at the example that Paul was giving the Philippians, this literally ought to change the way that you live your life. It ought to change your decisions and the decisions you make. It ought to change the things you do and the things you do not do. It ought to change the way you pursue holiness and righteousness, not because you're trying to be perfect, but because you want to please a holy and a righteous God. And he'll use you in the most unlikely places. Paul's whole testimony was in the midst of the most unlikely place. And he pressed forward. He fought and pressed forward with that good news because he knew he wasn't doing it on his own account. He was doing it with the strength and the grace of God. In verses 9 through 11, you see the petitions of Paul's prayer. See, verse uh Philippians chapter one it's it's about it, it's largely about prayer the petitions of Paul's prayer number one in verses nine through eleven let's turn there let's turn to verse nine it says and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. Notice he didn't say that your love abound more and more. The term love, listen, bringing it right here in modern day. The term love is so con contorted and distorted and, and, and manipulated and just torn up today. Love. True biblical love that you see that he is praying for here right now is accompanied by what? Knowledge and discernment. Knowledge and discernment. The first petition is that the Christian virtue of love would abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that their love would express itself. Write that. So that the Philippians' love would express itself. It would show itself in wise actions that would truly benefit others and glorify God. That would truly benefit others and glorify God. It wasn't this, this, this distorted, manipulated um, uh, version of love being thrown about everywhere that you see today. There's an evidence to the love that was, Paul was talking about. There was, there's an evidence to everything in our lives. There's an evidence to the love that he was talking about, and that evidence is knowledge and discernment, so that their love would express itself in wise actions that are pleasing to God. Not a distorted version of love that is pleasing to flesh or to oneself. The second petition is joyful obedience. He was saying joyful obedience to God will give them the full confidence of being found pure and blameless when Jesus returns. Gals, I'm about to shock you guys with my next statement here. So often we look at people and we look at people who maybe love the Lord so much and we just think that maybe they're immune to the struggles. Maybe they're immune 
Maybe they never make mistakes. They never fall. They never fail. Okay. I want you to understand that you are never to look at anybody, never to look at anybody who teaches God's word, who is a flesh nature and think that they don't make mistakes and think that they don't struggle. Don't ever look at my life and think that I don't need this as much as you need this. Don't ever look at somebody just because they have a radio show or a, 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 a mega church or do not look at these people and put them on a pedestal. It is so, so vitally important to understand that we run this race because we want to pursue purity so that we're ready when Jesus comes, that we say we did the best we could. As much as I fail, and I fail a lot, I, per, I, I want to pursue purity and please Jesus with everything in me. And with that being said, and I'm not being funny when I say this, I find myself in repentance a lot. I find myself repenting and, and I, I find myself really understanding what Paul was saying when he said, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I want to do, I don't do. And I, I, it is this, this, this war as long as we're here, gals. This is not instant perfection, but it's an, an increasing pursuance of Christ-likeness in our lives. When you know better, you do better. When you know God's word, let's take it a step further. When you know better, you do better. When you know God's word and you spend time in God's word and you spend time in God's presence, you want to do better. You want to be found pure and blameless. It is pursuing Christ likeness as we pursue holiness in our lives, as we pursue holiness. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter one, go to verse 12. We're going to unpack 12 through 18, the advance of the gospel, the advance of the gospel. And I'm going to strongly encourage you guys to go back and listen to this study on the podcast or watch it on the YouTube page because I listen to things two and three times, sometimes more, because you always pick up something that you missed on the first time, the first uh, session. The advance of the gospel. Okay. Listen to verse 12. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known, verse 13, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. How powerful is that? Here I am in prison. Paul is in prison in Rome. And he's saying, I just want you to know that God, God knew this. He put me here and it is advancing. That literally means in the Greek to push forward. It is advancing the gospel. I'm not sitting here cowering in the past. I'm not sitting here cowering in my present circumstance. He said, I'm, I know God goes before me. I know that all of this is his will. So I'm going to stay here and I'm going to push forward the gospel. Paul's imprisonment has meant progress for the gospel, the good news, the good news of Jesus. That's why it's called the gospel because it's the good news. Because without that, without Jesus, without his sinless, blameless life, his death on that cross at Calvary and his resurrection, we would 
happy eternally. And I know this sounds harsh, but gals, I'm not here to sugarcoat anything. There's a million studies you can do if you want sugarcoated. It is not this study. We would be eternally separated from God, eternal damnation. And to me, that's the most uh, uh, tragic, horrifying thought. The Philippians were grieved over his imprisonment. So Paul was reassuring them of the good news coming from it. Gals, listen, during this time, especially in this culture, because you, when you study God's words, you always want to go back to the time culture context. People mess up a lot when they're like, oh, I take my 2023 brain and lingo and language and you try to cherry pick scripture or slapstick it or you got to go back to the time, culture, and context and understand what their norms were, understand what the customs were, understand how they lived and what was acceptable and what wasn't, because it is so different from today. So I always say time, culture, context first. But during this time, gals, it was not uncommon for people to disassociate themselves when somebody was in prison. It was like, that was that was that was not a good thing, especially a church congregation, especially the Philippians, right? Like they culturally, it was it would not be uncommon for them to just cut Paul out and be like, sorry, don't know you. Yeah, don't know him. But they didn't. They stuck by him in the midst of his imprisonment. They encouraged him in the midst of his imprisonment. They financially supported him. They prayed for him. There were so many ways that they came alongside. Um, but it was it was frowned upon, right? But the Philippians stuck by him and they were anguished over the fact that he was in prison. And he's saying, hey, hey, I know God. And, and what God starts, God completes. That's what I just talked about. What God starts, God completes. And he has me here. And if I live, I live. And if I die, I die. But either one is to gain. That's what he was saying to them. He was encouraging their hearts. In verses 12 through 14, gals, Paul's joy amidst difficult circumstances was meant to be an example to the Philippians. It's meant to be an example to us. God gave us his word, Genesis to Revelation, Old Testament to New. Don't you ever let anybody tell you that you can discount the Old Testament because it's old, because the Old Testament is such a picture of what God did for us in the New Testament. Every word of scripture, Old Testament to New, is applicable, and it, it points to Jesus. Write that down. Paul's joy amidst the circumstances was meant to be an example to them to rejoice even in the difficult times. Gals, listen. Difficult times, none of us want to, none of us want difficult times. No, nobody says, hey, I want to have a really hard, hard year. But when we do, please listen. When we do, because hard times are going to come, hard times in our homes, hard times with our family, hard times in our careers and our marriages, hard times in our finances. At some point, we're going to be touched by a hard time somewhere. When we're rooted in the right things, when our roots are planted down deep in the right things, that's Jesus. That is Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Messiah. That means anointed one. When we are rooted in him, when we are rooted in God's word, what springs up from us? Not complaining and not, well, we might complain a little. Let's keep it real. But God's word amidst challenging and difficult circumstances. He was saying to the Philippians, you can re rejoice 
even in the difficult things. Even in the difficult things. In verse 12, the word that Paul used for advance the gospel is literally to progress the faith. The Greek word is prokopen, P-R-O-K-O-P-E-N, prokopen. It means literally, literally to progress the faith, to push God's kingdom forward rather than dwelling on the past or the present. That is very applicable to every single one of us today, just as it was to the Philippians whom Paul was talking to. Our nature wants to dwell on the past. Our nature wants to say, but if this didn't happen to me, but if I had a better start, but if I had a better upbringing, but if I had a better childhood, but if I had a better, better marriage, but, 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 we focus on our past and we focus on our current circumstances and we don't keep our eyes set on Christ himself and know that if this is touching my life, gals, hard things have touched my life, brutally hard things, hard, hard things. If this has touched my life, you have such a faith and assurance that what God started, he brings to completion. And if he's allowed that thing, that hard thing, you may not understand it. Nobody wants to talk about this. You're not going to hear the mega church pastors talking about it. You're going to have, you're going to hear all the fluff buttercream from them. You're not getting that here. You're getting the truth. If you want to grow in God's word, if you want to develop intimacy with him, if you truly want to bear fruit in your life, then you have to understand some of that fruit, some of that fruit is gonna come from difficult things. It's gonna come from difficult things. Comment question. So I didn't explain this to my new gals tonight. Give me a second, let me sip my tea. Sipping from our beautiful scripture mug from the scripturestore.com. I just started that last month. I'm loving it. Comment questions are an opportunity for you to answer and engage with the gals, either on Zoom or Facebook, not to answer aloud. Just type it in the notes if you guys wanna engage. If not, zero pressure. You don't have to do it. This is a, a stress-free zone. But if you wanna chat it out and get to know people, this is an opportunity for you to share transparently um, your, your thoughts and dialogue on the following question. Are you maintaining a gospel-centered focus, much like Paul urges the Philippians to, to literally push the gospel forward? Right now in your life, are you maintaining a gospel-centered focus, a good news-centered focus? Are you maintaining a focus that is set on pushing the gospel forward? And gals, listen, the places that I answer no, like I'm not doing that in my life or I'm falling short here. Our world is so set up against making you think that that's a bad thing, but it's such a good thing because it's such an opportunity for you to turn back and to pursue, truly pursue pleasing Christ and all you do. I can tell you right now, I try. I really try to maintain that gospel-centered focus all the time, but there are, there are days where I have failed <laughs> and I failed greatly. 
And like I said earlier, I spend more time in repentance, repenting, because I know I haven't uh, uh, pleased God. I know that my thoughts were not Christ-centered, but you know, I can also tell you, please listen, that when I am leaning in that direction in my life, when I am leaning in the direction of not being gospel-centered, not spending time steeped in God's word, not clinging to God's truth, not meditating on his word, not spending time in prayer, not plugging in with a body of believers or my girls that I know I can text, that I know I can talk about when things are really tough. I know that when I'm not doing those things that I'm going to fall and I'm going to fall hard. Verse 14, when Paul was talking to the Philippians, he quite literally said, and most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Listen, gals, people watch what we do. In a world of reels, in a world of stories, in a world of Twitter and TikTok and Facebook and Pinterest and this and that, and thousands of voices and TikTok, man, that, oh Lord, don't even get me started. In this world of so many voices, 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 playing the cool christian songs, somebody's gonna get offended tonight. <laughs> I'm not trying, but <laughs> I can tell you it's gonna happen. In this world of all of these voices, people aren't watching what we say, they're watching what we do. They're watching how we live our lives. They're watching how we go through difficult things. They're watching how we, we fall on our knees in, in, in anguished, crying out before the Lord prayer for the things that matter to God. My, one of my biggest, biggest, biggest prayers is, Lord, let the things that matter to you matter to me. Let them seep out of my pores. Let them seep out of every cell in my body, the things that matter to you. Let them matter to me. Let me not be focused on what's happening in this world and the, the, the crazy amounts of voices that are, that are just bombarding us daily. And let me just still myself before you and your word. Before you and your word. When Christians in Rome, uh, where Paul was in prison, saw his boldness, even as his life was in danger, he inspired them gals to be more courageous and more bold in proclaiming the good news of Jesus. You see, you can't give something you don't have. Shocker. You cannot give something you don't have. If you don't have a true deep relationship and pursuing or pursuance of Christ. You can't give that to other people. You can't share the good news if you don't know the good news. You can't do it because you're pouring out of, of emptiness. But boy, I'll tell you what, girls, bringing it here to 2023, parking it. If you really set your heart in your mind, set your heart in your mind on Christ and Christ alone, and truly seek to build intimacy with him. You'll be absolutely amazed at how that encourages others to grow in their faith, to grow in their walk, and to pursue the things of Jesus, the things that absolutely matter the most. 
verses 19 through 26, gals. Turn to verses 19 through 26 of Philippians chapter one. Give me just a second. This is the point in the study where my voice starts to get. To live is Christ. So as we break down uh, verse 19 through 26, to live is Christ, write that down, to live is Christ. An overarching brief overview of this passage is that Paul's expressing his belief and strong confidence that he's going to be released from prison. So quite literally in the moment, he's talking to the Philippians and saying, I believe that I'm going to be released from prison. He assures the Philippians that he believes he will remain alive to minister to them, that he'll remain alive to minister to them. Verse 19, let me read it to you. It says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Now, some other people take that, uh, that, that word deliverance and they say it means his eternal, his eternity. He wasn't talking about actually living. He was talking about his eternity. What Paul is saying is whether I live or whether I die, it is all again with Christ. Verse 19, Paul solicits the prayers of the Philippians. The Greek word for deliver, uh, deliverance, write it down. The Greek word for deliverance is soteria, S-O-T-E-R-I-A, either from prison or in the ultimate sense of eternal salvation. One way or the other, whatever he meant in those verses to the Philippians, he, he believed that he was going to be delivered. Verse 20 says, sorry, I'm getting hot. Verse 20 says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by my death. He said, Paul said, listen close, Paul said, whether I die or I live, let it all point to Christ. Because if I die, I get to be with him, right? We get to be with him. But if I live, I continue proclaiming the gospel. That's what he was telling them. Paul knew that should his trial result in his death, he believed he would be able to show such a spirit as to honor Christ in his cause, even in his death. Paul wasn't afraid to die. Paul wasn't afraid to die. He was saying that no matter the outcome, you girls might understand this language here. Even if, even if, bringing it to 2023, even if the picture that I had for my life is not the way it turns out, even if I struggle with things that I never thought I would struggle with, even if my hope and my eyes are set on Christ. My mind and my heart is set to please him, whether in my life or in my death. That's what he was saying, no matter the outcome. He was so sure that the great object for which he lived, write this down, the object for which Paul lived was Jesus. He was so sure that the great object for which he lived would be magnified and glorified. Whether he died a martyr's death Literally, if you guys don't know, some of you may not, a martyr, if you die with martyrdom, 
It's dying on account of Jesus. It's dying for your beliefs. We are so blessed in this country, just side note. We are so blessed in this country to be able to bring our stacks of Bibles and books to any coffee shop, open them up freely and study God's word. In parts of the world, you will literally be killed and beheaded or hung for these things to this very day, to this very day. So whether him dying as a martyr or living many more years proclaiming the gospel, Paul said it is all for Jesus Christ. What can we learn from that, girls? What can we learn from that solid assurance that Paul had? We can learn a lot in our own lives. It, it ought to change the way that you not just live your life, but the decisions you make day to day, the things that you help with, the things that you slow down for, the things that you allow you. I'm talking to a bunch of women. I'm going to go here. Get ready. Parking on the side of the road. We're going. I'm going to talk to you about your schedules that we so vehemently hold to. Our type A OCD personalities that have our weeks written down to the last hour. Do you allow your life to be shaken up for Christ? Do you allow the interruptions? Do you allow those moments in which God wants to work in and through you? Do you allow those things? Do you allow the things that you do every day to bring glory and honor to Christ? Are the decisions you're making Christ honoring? If, if, if Jesus quite literally walked in the room right now, maybe not right now because we're all doing Bible study, but in your day-to-day -day life, would he be pleased with the things that you're doing? Same. He sees them all anyway. How are you living your life? Is it a Christ-honoring life? That is a, that's a powerful question that ought to stop you in your tracks right now and make us live differently right now and not just live listen to me not just live for social media my goodness i see the way people make themselves look on social media it drives me crazy because i'm like the lord knows we're all a hot mess but are you really living for what people think or are you living to please god himself so paul's aim was not temporal things it was not temporal things Paul knew that his life on this earth was not for temporal things. Paul knew that. He was living for eternity. His decisions were to press on the gospel. Everything he did, every encounter, it was to glorify Jesus, not just in the good. Gosh, it's fun when things are going easy and good. Money's rolling in. Businesses is rocking. Date nights are amazing. Marriage is going great. Everything is awesome. Yeah, it's fun. But you know what? How do we glorify him in the hard stuff? The yucky, hard stuff. How do we glorify him when life isn't going the way we anticipated? How do we glorify him when we feel like our world is quite literally falling apart? How do we bring glory and honor to him? His circumstances and surroundings may change. Listen to this. His circumstances and surroundings may change. Paul was saying, whether I live or I die, his circumstances and his surroundings may change, but never his aim. Write it down. Write it down. His circumstances and his surroundings may change, but never his aim. 
Things may change in our lives that we don't want to happen and they happen. But our aim doesn't change. Our pursuance of Christ doesn't change. The way we act when we're out in public, how we treat other people, how we stop and slow down for things that are happening around us and know not to put it on your reel and try to go viral. That's not why we're doing this. We're doing this not to go viral. We're not doing this for a fake false social media world. We're doing this to glorify and honor Jesus Christ, King of Kings. And let me tell you something, the heart above all, the word says, the heart above all is deceptively evil and wicked. The heart is deceptively wicked. Why does God say that? Because he judges the motives of our heart. He knows the motives of our heart. He knows why we're doing the things that we're doing. Gals, my aim here for you is for you to be so literally hungry for, for Jesus Christ that you can't get enough of spending time in his presence, spending time in his word, and it changes the way you live. It changes the way you live. And that is what Paul was saying to the Philippians. He was saying, it is not about what's happening right now. It is not about that. It is not about that. It is about Jesus Christ and bringing glory and honor to whom glory and honor is due. Your circumstances may change. Your surroundings may change. But your aim to please and honor Christ should never change. Should never change. Give me a moment. Verse 20 and 21, to live is to proclaim Christ. But to die is to gain because it means to rejoice in his presence, to live eternally. Verse 23, Paul shared his desire to depart and be with Christ. This indicates that when Christians die, let's read verse 23 first. Turn to verse 23 in your Bibles. We're doing good on time. We'll be done in about probably fifth. 15 minutes. Verse 23 of Philippians 1. I am hard pressed between the two, between living and dying. I am hard pressed between the two. My desires to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Verse 24. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He's saying it's more necessary for me to guide you and to help press on this gospel, this good news, to help continue to proclaim the gospel, right? That's what Paul was saying. This indicates that when Christians die, we're immediately with Christ in that passage. We're immediately with Christ long before uh, our bodies are raised from the dead. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But each in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, and then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Gals, when Christ returns, all of his people from all of time, when Jesus returns, all of his people from all of time will receive resurrection bodies, never again subject to weakness, to illness, to pain, never again subject to those things or to death. Until then, those who have died exist in heaven as souls without bodies. Those who belong to Christ does not imply, listen to this, those who belong to Christ does not imply universalism. This does not imply multiple ways. One way, the way, the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the Father but through the Son. No way. 
to the Father, but through the Son. Only those who call on the name of Jesus Christ, only those who believe that he made a way for us through his sinless, perfect life, only those who believe that he died on that cross at Calvary for our sins, that he literally took the sins of the world upon himself, only those that believe he resurrected the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that you call one name, Jesus, one name. So important, so important in a world that says universalism, many ways to heaven. I've literally heard people say that. If you're a good person, I'm, I'm a good person, I do good things. You cannot good works your way to heaven. It is a free gift of grace, charis, favor, but you have to accept that. And you know why that's hard for people to accept? Listen close, listen close, listen close. Do you know why that's hard for people to accept? Because they cannot believe that there's nothing that they have to do. This is not a workspace thing. Christ did it. Did you know that Christianity is the only, the only, the only, the only belief and religion in this world that believes that that one died for all all these other religions running around thinking that that they can earn their way to heaven you just have to accept that gift that free gift of grace verse 27 verse 27 so important that you understand that only let your manner of life be worthy. We're almost done, gals. Hang in there, okay? We're in the home stretch. We're in the last mile of the marathon. Now's not the time to give up and sit on the side of the road. We're running and we're going to the finish line. So hang with me, okay? Verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, the good news of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Ladies, what he's saying there can be translated as behave as citizens worthy of the gospel. Boy, I'll tell you what, I could go off. It would be a whole nother study tonight, whole nother podcast on ladies who love Christ, all about how we're not doing this currently as a body of believers. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're failing at this right now. Let your life be a manner worthy of the gospel. Behave as citizens worthy of the gospel. Behave, let your behavior, let your behavior model, model what Christ has, has taught us. Let your actions, let your words, let your choices all point to Jesus. Let them be worthy of the gospel. Did you know that the gospel is worthy of us doing that? Of us pursuing that? Paul was reminding the Philippians that their allegiance and their model of behavior should be from Christ, not Caesar. In a culture then where everybody's looking to Caesar, Paul's saying, no, 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 no. It's not Caesar. It is God. That is, it is Jesus Christ. That's who you should be modeling. That's who you should be emulating. That's who you should be seeking after. That's who you should be spending time with. Right? It wasn't Caesar since their primary allegiance is to God and his kingdom. Everything that we do, you are living. You are, you are steeped in it right now. Hang with me. You are steeped in it right now. 
a culture. Listen close, because I am about to go off. You are, list, you are living in a culture that is steeped in wanting to get you to literally turn against a holy and a righteous God, and they're forcing it, and they're shoving it down our throats. Why? Because they're looking and they're, they're, they're going against every major thing. God spoke into order this world, right? And then he created man, and then from the rib of man, he created a wall man. He had a man and a woman, male and female. That is being attacked. That is being attacked. Marriage between a man and a woman, a male and a female. If I lose you, I'm sorry, but I am not compromising on the word of God. I refuse to compromise on the word of God. That is being shoved down your throat, right? Pro-life or pro-choice. It is being shoved down your throat. Everybody is trying to get you to stand against God. Are you going to, to please man or are you going to please Christ? Because I'm telling you, you are living in a time right now where you cannot be a flippant Christian. You cannot be a weak Christian. You cannot decide to study God's word when you want. You need to be seeped in it. It needs to be coming out of your pores because we are in an all-out Ephesians 6 full-blown spiritual battle. And if you don't see it, your head lovingly, lovingly, lovingly said your head is in the sand. It is in the sand if you don't see this. Everything that God called good, man is standing against right now. Every single thing. Paul was reminding the Philippians, and it's a reminder to us now that our allegiance is not to man. Our allegiance is to God, and you will be persecuted. You may stand up for what is biblically right, and you will be persecuted. I follow ministries that all they do, 100% of the time, these ministries go, and they provide lawyers to literally defend Christians who are being persecuted for standing by their biblical beliefs. Those who refuse to marry man and man, males and with a male or a female with a female or, or, or commit uh, abortions and, and murder. No, no, that is not, that is not what we ought to do. We ought to pursue a life that is pleasing to Christ. And in the valleys and in the churches, we know that God goes before us and a, a work that God starts is a work that God completes. So much of what Paul was emphasizing to the Philippians is absolutely so applicable right now. So applicable. Paul emphasized unity in the body, which suggested that there was division in the congregation. Quite honestly, since 2020, I can't even tell you how much division you've seen among the, the body of Christ. How much literal split down the middle division you've seen. He urged them to stand together. And then I'm concluding. Okay. I'm concluding. And it's 810. I finished you gals up probably 10 minutes early. He urged them to stand together for the unity of the gospel, the unity of the good news. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you this lovingly. But if you are standing for anything, if you are standing in agreement with anything, that goes against God's word. Old Testament to new, Genesis to Revelation. If there's anything in there that you are trying to rewrite, if you are trying to, and trust me, there's mega church pastors that are just eating this up like ice cream and they're just feeding it to their congregations. 
If you're going against anything that is in God's word, that is in defiance to God's word. If you're, if you're upset, don't be upset at me, be upset at the word of God and, and, and take it to him. Take it to him because that battle is not with me, sister. This is the word of God I'm talking about. We are called to stand firm for the progression, the advancement of the gospel. Paul was urging the Philippians back then from prison. Today, right here, we get to study God's word together, and I get to reiterate these points from scripture. This is nothing new. I'm not reinventing the wheel here. I'm just teaching you scripture. Scripture plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing. But my urge, my urging, truly like the beat of my heart, urging for you girls right now is to understand that we are in a spiritual war. Write down Ephesians 6. If you don't know how to armor up for this war, you need to go read it and study it. But we truly are in a war. We are in a world that has set its heart and its, its minds against God. We are in a world that is set on depravity and celebrates sin. We are in a world that has taken him out of everything. We are in a world that is now, now, literally poisoning the precious minds of our little ones. Girls, this is not time for you to be weak. It is time for you to get on your knees in fervent prayer. It is time for you to take the messages and God's word so seriously. It is time for you to prioritize your life, uh, literally revolved around pressing forward the gospel. It is time for you to take an account of yourself. It's time for me to take an account of myself, my words, my actions, my life, how I live, what I engage in and what I don't. And it is time for us, it is time for us to live with a truly eternal perspective. Sharing the good news in this hungry and dry and parched, depraved world. Ladies, both suffering and faith are gifts of God. Both suffering and faith are gifts of God. Suffering is not something people want. It is not something people choose. It is not. But when we maintain a heavenly Christ-centered focus, it is something we can do well and we can push God's kingdom. We can push the gospel forward. We can live with the right perspective. We can lay down the garbage and we can pick up the truth. We can lay down the things that don't matter and we can cling we have that choice to cling to that which is pure and right starts tonight. It starts tonight with how you live your life. That is chapter one of Philippians. Bam, we did it. We did it. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for what you did tonight. I thank you for all of the beautiful women that came. Some were able to stay, some weren't. But Lord, you know who needed to hear the message tonight. I take such comfort in that. That it is not up, it's not up to me. It's not up to me. You bring the women that you want to bring, and boy, you bring them every study, every study, every study. I thank you for the women that um, were able to stay on tonight and learn and grow. Maybe she felt convicted and Lord, conviction in my life is as uncomfortable as it is. It is the place that I find, Heavenly Father, that you use the most to change my heart, to turn me back to you in full on repentance. I pray, Lord, that you know how much I've failed. You know how much I've struggled. 
I will never hide that. I will never uh, try to make that that fluffed over. I never want anyone to look at my life and see this fake false perfection. I want them to see the goodness and the grace and the glory and the holiness and the majesty, Lord, of you. You. All you. I thank you for their lives. Thank you for their homes. I thank you for their marriages. Thank you for their careers. I pray, Lord, that you just be with her where she needs you to be with her. Maybe she's walking through a tough time right now. Lord, be with her in the midst of that. Let her know that you're there and to keep her eyes and her focus on you. That it is not for temporal things we live, but we live for the advancement of the good news and the gospel. And Lord, if there's ever been a time, if there's ever been a time to, to my goodness, to share your grace and your mercy and your love, it is now. And you've given us so many ways to do it. Let us not make light of that. Thank you for what you did tonight, Lord. And I look forward to seeing these gals next week. In Jesus' beautiful and precious and holy name, I pray. Amen. All right, gals, I'm proud of you. So proud of you. So proud of you. You did it. I want to let you know if you're tuning in on the podcast or YouTube or you're still hanging in here live, we have the scripture store. Make sure you go check it out. We have Bibles, notebooks, clothing, all kinds of things for the home. We have tons of study materials, resources, so many amazing things. TheScriptureStore.com. That's where I got this beautiful little mug. God bless y'all. I'm grateful that you stayed with us tonight. And I look forward to seeing you next week for session two, chapter two of Philippians. Have a great night.